So right now, we'd normally be uh, just over a month until Big 12 Media Days down in Dallas-Fort Worth. Unfortunately, that's not the case this year, but that's okay. We've still got you covered on the Big 12 front. I'm Pete Mundo. We're heartlandcollegesports.com. And Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Appreciate you joining us as we take you through everything happening in the Big 12 Conference here. And guys, before we get going, please take a moment out and leave that rating, review, subscribe to the podcast as we get closer to the season. This helps us really hit momentum as we approach kickoff. And as a return, as a thank you, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie to keep that beer cold as the summer really heats up. So send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys. Thanks so much. Okay, let's do this to start things off. Let's have a little fun. And this is the time of year we can start to, you know, look ahead and talk about the season. Even though we have no idea what the season's going to look like, we can have that conversation. And let's do this. A little one-word play on words for each Big 12 team and how it can win the conference this fall. We will take this in alphabetical order from start to finish. Let's start with the Baylor Bears and the one word that Baylor needs to win the Big 12 Conference, defense. Of course, we know that this team last year uh, was carried by its defense. You know, all the talk about a great skill position players, Denzel Mims, Charlie Brewer, I mean, no doubt about it. Those guys, super talented, really nice pieces. But this Baylor team got to the Big 12 title game because of its defense. Don't question that. And Baylor fans, they'll admit it. They know it. They understand it. People on the outside looking in may not. But this team, without that defense, probably goes 7-5 and five last year. I mean, let's be honest. They won a ton of close games, right? They won a ton of close games. This team got where it did last season because of that side of the ball, and that is indisputable. So uh, looking at this Baylor team, if Dave Aranda can keep that defense, even a semblance, a semblance of what it was last season under Matt Rule, then I'm not saying this team is going to make another big-time run like that, but you know what? When you had the best scoring defense in the Big 12, uh, you got a good shot. I don't know if they can duplicate it. There are obviously some key pieces leaving and obviously staff turnover as well. But I'll tell you right now, uh, sign me up because I think if there's a guy that can do it and keep that momentum going, it's Dave Aranda coming over from LSU. All right, let's go to Iowa State. The key word for Iowa State is hump. All right, creepo, don't get any funny ideas. What do I mean by hump? The Cyclones have to get over the hump. They lost a lot of close games last year. Iowa, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, all decided by seven points or less. Split those games, and 2020 can be a different beast for the Cyclones with Brock Purdy, a quarterback, a guy who could end up as a top 15 pick. Got to win those close games. And it's starting to confirm this idea that, you know, going from four or five wins to seven or eight wins, which Iowa State has done successfully under Matt Rule, is easier to do than going from seven or eight wins to 10-plus wins. I think Iowa State is proof of that, and that's not an indictment on Iowa State. I think that's true for any program. You can go from four to eight or five to seven a lot easier than going from seven to 10, and Iowa State might be learning that the hard way, but um, you got to do it. You got to get over that hump. For the Kansas Jayhawks, the one word 
to associate with each Big 12 team in order to win the conference. For KU, it's can't. And I, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I, I'm really not. But Kansas can't win. They, they cannot win the Big 12 this year. I, I don't care what happens. They can't. There's not one piece. There's not one unit that's got to improve. No way, no how. If KU gets to four wins this year, that's a massive step in the right direction. Four wins is a massive step in the right direction. I'm not going to BS you and sugarcoat something for the sake of, uh, you know, this commentary and say, well, you know, if uh, just get that right quarterback in there, that perfect uh, secondary, things will really be looking up in Lawrence. No, and I'm rooting for KU, but uh, there's way too much to be done there. So the word for KU is can't. For Kansas State, it's linemen. For the first time in at least 31 years, did you know Kansas State's replacing all five starting offensive linemen? First time in 31 years that's happened in Manhattan. They've got their senior quarterback in Skylar Thompson. That's a great thing to have. Now, you got to protect him. It's, it's good that you're not working in a young quarterback with a brand-new offensive line. That's a good thing as well. And you want to build on those eight wins uh, from 2019, but it's going to have to be done in the trenches for Kansas State. Five new offensive linemen. On the defensive side, Wyatt Hubert, the main guy and only guy returning on that defensive end. Uh, but outside of that, things are up in the air. There's a lot of new pieces for Chris Kleiman to work in in the trenches, and that often gets overlooked at any level of football. It's not always about the stud quarterback or wide receiver or running back. you got to have the horses in the trenches, and we'll see what Chris Kleiman can do on that front for Kansas State. For the Oklahoma Sooners, the word to winning the Big 12, Rattler, yes. Mayfield to Murray to Hertz to Spencer Rattler. Former five-star guy who played a handful of snaps last year as a red shirt, but now it's his time to shine. This is a guy who came in with huge, huge prospects coming out of high school. Pro-style quarterback, uh, should not be overlooked. He is somebody who is the number one pro-style quarterback in the class of 2019. Coming out of the state of Arizona, 6'1", 200. Uh, number 11 player in the nation in that class last year. So he's got huge, huge potential. Um, and now we're going to see if he is a guy who can make that leap, make that jump, and now be a big-time college football quarterback. He's got Heisman odds as well already for a guy that's played a handful of snaps. That's kudos to Lincoln Riley. But if Spencer Rattler can live up to that hype and be that quarterback and continue that legacy that Lincoln Riley has built at that position, then you know what? OU can win another Big 12 title. There's no reason to think that they can't, and he will absolutely uh, be a big reason why. I mean, this guy was down at OU in Alabama. That tells you everything you need to know uh, right there. Oh, Notre Dame as well was in on the mix. All right, for Oklahoma State, the key word is bedlam. You know, if Oklahoma State's going to win a Big 12 title uh, – they don't have to win Bedlam necessarily, right? You can get to the Big 12 title game and not win Bedlam. But this year, Bedlam's in October. That means Oklahoma State gets OU earlier in the season, which when OU's working in a redshirt freshman quarterback in Spencer Rattler, that's a bonus for Mike Gundy's team. You know, you don't get him at the end of the year when he's kind of fully through a, a full season. You get him in the first half of redshirt freshman year. That's good for Oklahoma State, which has a much more veteran team. You got the more veteran quarterback. You got the Heisman contender in Chuba Hubbard. You've got 10 of 11 back on defense. Yes, the game is in Norman, but winning that game, which Mike Gundy has only done twice in his 15 years, 
would be huge for this team's uh, confidence going forward and taking this team and this program to the next level, which it has not done in several years. So for Oklahoma State, the key is Bedlam, because also I expect Oklahoma State to lose a game it should not lose because sometimes uh, that's how things work out for Mike Gundy's team. It seems like sometimes they, they often will play up to competition and unfortunately play down to competition. All right. For the Texas Longhorns, the key word for them, the one word to win in the Big 12 is Ash. Yes, that would be former Rutgers head coach Chris Ash, who is now the defensive coordinator with the Texas Longhorns. Tom Herman hired him last season, and uh, the two worked together at Ohio State. He replaces Todd Orlando, who was fired. But what does Ash do with this team? Uh, Last year, the defense struggled through injuries, right? But if you recall, the class of 2018 was a huge class on the defensive side. Huge class. Tons of guys in the secondary, Caden Stearns, a bunch of others. Uh, Now those guys are up in classmen, and now they've got to produce results. That's what they have to do. Last year, you had the injuries. I would not have fired Todd Orlando. I I would not have done it. I think part of that was Tom Herman looking for an out. You know, he, he needed a, an excuse, and Todd Orlando uh, was part of the revamping of the program. But for UT to win that Big 12 title this year and get over that hump for the first time in a very long time, uh, Sam Ellinger's going to score points. Texas has to stop teams. They've got to do it. They ranked eighth last year in the Big 12 in total defense. That's unacceptable for the amount of individual talent that is on that side of the ball for Texas. So if Chris Ash can make that defense into one of the top defenses or maybe the top defense in the Big 12, it's an entirely different outlook for that program this season. And Tom Herman needs that after a mediocre year last year. For TCU, the key word, Duggan. You know, the defense has been there the last couple of years, even through two tough years by TCU standards. The defense has been fine. The offense has been a mess working through quarterbacks. Finally, you get your guy in Max Duggan last year, but he's a true freshman. TCU had the worst pass efficiency by a wide margin in the Big 12 in uh, 2019. 20 points behind West Virginia, number nine, in pass efficiency. And now Duggan loses a first-round NFL draft pick in Jalen Rager. So Jerry Kill is brought in to essentially be the head coach of the offense. Now he's working with Duggan, entering his sophomore year. Duggan showed good wheels last year, but his passing ability at times was atrocious. If he can improve that and get more comfortable and TCU still puts on the defense that Gary Patterson puts on the field year in, year out, uh, why can't why can't he be Kenny Hill-esque? Just good enough to get him to a Big 12 title game. Probably don't win it, but at least get him to the game and have a shot. And that relies on Max Duggan getting to at least uh, Kenny Hill's ability as a quarterback. All right, for Texas Tech, secondary. Now, there's a lot of issues for Tech. But the secondary, uh, that's the one word. Matt Wells has his hands full. We know that. But last year, Texas Tech ranked last in the Big 12 in pass defense efficiency. Last. There's a lot of question marks, especially at safety. They did bring in a uh, JUCO transfer in Cam White. That might be a guy that can help a unit that desperately needs it. But the secondary has got to improve for Texas Tech. Um, And Matt Wells wants to build a defense there. I mean, he's not uh, just, you know, what you think of with Texas Tech football, all offense, no defense. He wants to build a defense. That's part of why he was brought in to build a defense. Uh, 
And, you know, you want to see some improvements there in year two. You got to do it. For West Virginia, the word is points. The Mountaineers have to get more points on the board. They averaged under 21 points per game last year. That was the worst in the Big 12 and three points per game less than Kansas. They had 321 yards per game. That's 40 yards less per game than Kansas State, who was ninth in the Big 12. It's a very similar problem to TCU, an offense that could not come close to mashing a defense. Now, I have reason for optimism with a guy like Jared Dagey at quarterback and what he did going two and one the last three games of the season. But, you know, can that running game pick up? This team, as under Neil Brown, has got to show signs of life on the offensive side of the ball, and it's got to happen immediately. It's great to have a good defense in the Big 12. We appreciate the Big 12 is emphasizing that more across the board. It's good for the league, but you still got to score points. And the Mountaineers, I mean, they struggled mightily in that department last year. So there you have it, the one-word association for each Big 12 team as it prepares to try to win a conference title in 2020. I'm Pete Mundo. We're heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, let's talk to Matthew Postens. You read him all the time on the site. We'll get his thoughts next on the show. We now say hello to Matthew Postens. You read him all the time at heartlandcollegesports.com. He's uh, joining us here for a few minutes on the show. Matthew, you live down in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex, and your Governor Abbott announced that uh, sports venues can be 50% capacity. So for the Big 12, uh, that's an encouraging sign. How do you think this plays out for the conference and college football as a whole? Well, I, I think uh, you know the schools down here, you know, Texas, Texas Tech, et cetera, have been kind of planning for the idea that you know, they may not be at full capacity once football season begins. Uh, the state kind of laid the groundwork a few weeks ago saying, you know, the lieutenant governor here, Dan Patrick, said that you know, 30,000 might be a good you know, round number if you're trying to distance fans from one another while they're watching the game. Uh, that's kind of the, the number that Texas has kicked around a little bit. A couple of the other schools have kind of kicked that number around, too. So, uh, you know, hearing 50 percent capacity is great, but, you know, we don't have games till August so, mm-hmm. or even September. So that could that could change in terms of uh, the number of people they'll let in. It could change in terms of what happens around the world with the virus. And, you know, we haven't even heard rules about, say, high school right now. I went to my nephew's high school graduation this weekend, and they were only letting in eight family members per graduate. So um, they had three family members seated on the uh, track of the football stadium, and the other five of us had to be in the stands, and we had to be distanced away from other families. So uh, that, that feels like kind of the blueprint when you look at high school and college football, maybe even the NFL. Uh, you're going to have probably have smaller capacities, fans who are bunched together who probably know each other. Uh, but it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be a full-capacity event, but I think they are committed to having fans in the stands come September. So, Matthew, we like to be optimistic here and, and hope that there is a season um, and it does play out as normal. Maybe not with as many fans like we've talked about, but right now a report and a um, number that we had on heartlandcollegesports.com the other night – showed that right now, if you look at the Heisman odds, after Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence at Ohio State and Clemson, respectively, you've got Spencer Rattler, who's played a couple of snaps at OU with the third-best Heisman odds, followed by Sam Ellinger. Also, Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders of Oklahoma State are in the mix here. Uh, do you think right now there's too much money on Spencer Rattler considering he's played a handful of snaps, or does Lincoln Riley deserve that type of respect for what he's done with that position? 
Uh, I think there's a little bit too much uh, money going around there for, for Spencer Rattler. Uh, yes, the last three guys that have been in that position have either won the Heisman Trophy or been a leading contender for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but this, you know, this is going to be a big test for Lincoln Riley because, um, you know, Baker Mayfield was not an unfinished product when he got to Oklahoma. I mean, he wasn't, I shouldn't say he wasn't a finished product. Lincoln Riley helped mold him, but there was talent there. You know, the same goes for uh, Kyler Murray. That was a guy with talent that he helped take to the next level. We knew what Jalen Hurts was when he came to Oklahoma last year. We don't really know what Spencer Rattler is about at this point in the college game. So I think this is actually going to be a, a, a really interesting test of how Lincoln Riley develops quarterbacks because he's never worked with anybody, you know, you know, really from the ground up. Mayfield transferred in, Murray transferred in, Hertz transferred in. You know, Rattler is a guy that he's kind of had from the ground up now. So, you know, that's going to be a very interesting uh, thing to watch this season. Uh, as for the rest of those guys, I would love to see Chubba Hubbard win a Heisman just because of the season that he had last year. But I think we know – you know, guys that are coming off 1,000-yard seasons in college football, especially when they have a year of eligibility left, they don't tend to match those numbers the following season. And I'm really interested to see the kind of year Spencer Sanders has, you know, when he has Tylen Wallace coming back, uh, a lot of other weapons on offense, uh, a full year under his belt as the starter. And I think he'll be much more in command of that offense. All right, Matthew, let's talk a little basketball. That's your uh, bread and butter for the Big 12 uh, NCAA banning Oklahoma State from the 2021 uh, NCAA tournament. It looks like, as you would expect, the college is going to go ahead and appeal that decision. How surprised were you by what came down for Oklahoma State after what happened with former associate head coach Lamont Evans? Well, I wasn't surprised they got punished, but I was a little bit surprised at the level of punishment. I mean, a, a one-year postseason ban, a three-year scholarship reduction starting this year, They've got to surrender some revenue to the NCAA in terms of their uh, basketball program. And there are several other pieces of that that uh, go into that punishment. My alma mater got hit by the NCAA a couple of weeks ago uh, for misreporting our academic progress for uh, several years. We have to take down banners. We have to vacate wins. We have to vacate conference championships. We have to vacate NCAA tournament appearances. For our program, that's a pretty significant penalty, but we only have a one-year postseason ban. And you think about that level, that continuum from there to Oklahoma State involved in the FBI probe, and they've got to give up a year of the postseason. They've got to give up scholarships, some scholarships for three years and other fines. It makes me think of what's going to happen at schools like Kansas and Arizona. Kansas right now is sitting on three level one violations in the men's program, and then a head coach responsibility charge against Bill Self uh, that's a more significant number of level one violations than what Oklahoma State had. And when you think about how this FBI probe is kind of permeated throughout uh, college basketball, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if the NCAA levels up that continuum of those punishments to Kansas or if, if the punishment is maybe less than the crime in this case. So, Matthew, I mean, what what um, should we think about KU? Because to your point, a lot of people feel like KU has kind of skirted a lot of this for a long time. How much should fans expect the hammer to be brought down on Bill Self's program? I, I have to imagine that they're going to bring the hammer down in some way. I mean, this is when you're dealing with this many level one violations and you're, and you're dealing with a head coach responsibility charge against uh, a coach like Bill Self. This is similar to the type of charges that uh, were eventually leveled against Patino at Louisville. 
uh, when you get a head coach responsibility charge, that becomes a, a much bigger deal. Uh, there's a possibility that, um, you know, self could be fined seriously. He could be suspended um, if, you know, if they go to the ultimate and the program decides to fire him, he could end up with a show cause penalty, which me basically means he can't coach for a certain level of time. That's what happened to Bruce Pearl at Tennessee for far less than what Kansas is being accused of right now. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see once the NCAA finally gets there. And the NCAA took about two years to get through with Oklahoma in this situation, Oklahoma State in this situation. Once NCAA finally gets there, are they going to, are they going to make the postseason ban more serious? Are they going to make the fine more serious? Are they going to punish Bill Self in some way? And if, if they do, then you can see the continuum building from Stephen F. Austin to Oklahoma State to Kansas. If they don't, then, yes, everybody's going to come out of the woodwork and say, well, because Kansas is a blue blood program, you're taking it easy on them. It's going to be a real test of the NCAA, an entity that we know throughout history, especially by history of covering sports, has never been balanced when it comes to uh, meeting out punishment for things that happen uh, throughout its membership. He's Matthew Post, and you read him all the time. Matthew, great to have you on. Thanks for the insight. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Let's get to some final thoughts, wrapping up the show as a Big 12 contenders in the Heisman race. That's next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So something that we've talked about this week on the show is the Heisman odds for Big 12 players. And let's share those with you here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Go to heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Final few minutes on the program. And uh, Spencer Rattler, think about this. Spencer Rattler has played how many snaps? A handful of snaps for the Oklahoma Sooners football team. And he is now the third most likely college football player to win the Heisman Trophy per Las Vegas. Now, Barry Trammell said it on the show of the Oklahoman earlier, and that is that this is because of Lincoln Riley and nothing more. And that's not to take away from Spencer Sanders. We know that this guy was a five-star stud. The expectations are very high for him. He hasn't even technically won the job. That's the amazing part about this, too. But if you are Lincoln Riley's quarterback, you are going to start the season in the conversation for winning the Heisman Trophy. And that's where you look at this and you say, I know only one guy can play the position at a time, right? But if you're the number one quarterback in the nation every year, how do you not say, I want to go to OU? You know, you, you got a chance, a very good chance to win the Big 12 and go play uh, in the college football playoff. You're going to have studs at all your skill positions. The offensive line is going to be solid. And you have the best offensive mind in the sport. You have a guy who churns out Heisman contenders like it's his job, who has two number one draft picks in the past three years in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And by the way, Jalen Hurts gets a second round pick by the Eagles. And, you know, we like Jalen Hurts as a guy. I think he's a great leader, a great dude, but let's be honest. Let's just call it how it is. I don't think Jalen Hurts is close to being worthy of a second-round NFL draft pick. I, I, I don't think he's more than the occasional backup at the next level. That's, that's what I think he is. 
You know, I think he's good with his legs. Uh, you know, maybe a nice wildcat option. He's got no accuracy down the field. You got to have that at that level. And still, he gets a second-round pick. I, you know, if you are a quarterback in high school and you're making a potentially multi-million-dollar decision, how do you not beg, get on your hands and knees and beg Lincoln Riley to take you, offer you a scholarship and take you? It's crazy. So that's a real testament to Lincoln Riley. Now, in the fourth spot, uh, by the way, at the top of the Heisman odds, uh, Justin Fields of Ohio State and then Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And that makes sense. They're 4-1. to one. Rattler's 12-1. to one. And then you have Sam Ellinger, Texas quarterback at 14-1. to one. Uh, Not a surprise. Texas quarterback, senior. He's been around the block. People know his name nationally. It makes sense. I, I think he's a long shot at this point. And that's not because, you know, I don't believe in Sam Ellinger. But let's not forget, he's got a new offensive coordinator, right? I mean, he's got a new offensive coordinator he's got to work with and and figure out Mike Yurcich. There's naturally a period there that takes some time to get adjusted. You got to come out of the gate swinging to just get at the front of the line, right? That's part of the Heisman deal. It's all about momentum early in the season and carrying that momentum throughout the rest of the year. Texas is uh, playing LSU early in the season. I know all of this is up in the air with COVID. We don't know what's going to actually happen, but I'm going to talk as if a regular season is coming. And by regular, I don't just mean a regular season. I mean a regular, regular season, if I can put it that way. So I think that Ellinger's a long shot, but I get why he's getting some money put on him. Uh, Also in the Big 12, you have 25 to 1 odds for Chuba Hubbard. And you've got 40 to 1 odds for Spencer Sanders. Of course, Oklahoma State's running back and quarterback respectively Sanders at 40 to one feels high, but Hey, I guess anything's possible. Right. And once you get down to 40 to one, anyway, you know, things become long shots uh, no matter what, but there's always that Lamar Jackson hundred to one guy that nobody sees coming that at least maybe doesn't win it, but gets in the conversation. Right. And that's, that's where I think to myself, who could that person be? Like, I don't think Brock Purdy's going to win the Heisman trophy. All right. I, I don't. I do not believe that. Uh, I don't see it being the case. Just the offense there at Iowa State is not built for gaudy numbers. You're not at a blue blood. So it's just an incredible long shot. Hell, even Joe Burrow last year, right? Who had Joe Burrow? Look at his 2018 stats. Who had that guy as a Heisman contender, never mind a Heisman winner, right? Let's be honest. So uh, I think you look at it here, and in a situation like this, for a guy like Brock Purdy – He's not at a blue blood. He'd have to put up astronomical numbers. But if I'm looking for that total dark horse in the Big 12, uh, that's probably where I'm going, right? Outside of that, where else would you go? I I don't see another obvious choice. Maybe something explosive happens with Baylor's offense and Charlie Brewer gets himself in the mix, but uh, that also seems unlikely at this point. Outside of that, I mean, Does Alan Bowman suddenly just take off and stay healthy under Matt Wells in year two? Does Jared Dagey and Neil Brown's offense suddenly take off? I don't see that being likely. So I think the two Oklahoma State players make sense in just in terms of having odds. Obviously, Rattler and Ellinger I get as well. And then if you want to say, you know, Brock Purdy at 50 or 75 to 1 should be in the conversation, I can see it. But I I certainly don't think that it is likely by any stretch of the imagination. But certainly could be a first-round pick. And that's what's being talked about. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. 
Thanks, as always, for joining us. And please do take a moment out. Leave us a rating before you close out, a review. Subscribe to the podcast and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I will get a koozie in the mail for you guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.